Tampa. Listening to WMNF Tampa Music and News. at dj at wmf.org as well. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. President Biden is on his way back to Washington at this hour to resume efforts to reach a deal with House Republicans to avoid a default on the U.S. national debt. On the G7 summit sidelines in Japan, Biden met with the leaders of two key Asian allies, Japan and South Korea. NPR's Anthony Kuhn has that story. A readout from the White House says President Biden, South Korea's President Yoon Song-yeol, and Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida discussed how to improve trilateral coordination on North Korea. Biden also praised Yoon and Kishida for what he called their courageous work to improve bilateral ties and put aside historical disputes left over from World War II. In a gesture of reconciliation, Yoon and Kishida visited a memorial to the roughly 40,000 Koreans killed in the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Many of them were forced to work for Japan during Japan's colonial rule of Korea. During the summit, Yoon became the first South Korean president to meet with Korean survivors of that bombing. Anthony Kuhn, NPR News, Hiroshima, Japan. Russian President Vladimir Putin is congratulating Russian forces for the capture of the eastern Ukrainian city of Bakhmut. But as NPR's Charles Maines reports from Moscow, Russia's control of that city remains disputed by Ukraine. In a statement issued by the Kremlin, President Putin praised the Wagner mercenary force for what he called the liberation of Bakhmut, but also thanked the Russian military for supporting the operation. Putin's statement appeared to reflect ongoing tensions between the Wagner Group's founder, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and Putin's top brass over who deserved credit for Russian gains on the battlefield. Prigozhin has publicly accused Putin's defense minister of intentionally withholding ammunition from Wagner fighters in an effort to slow their progress. Meanwhile, Ukraine continues to insist the city has not yet fallen, even as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky acknowledged the nearly eight-month Russian siege had left Bakhmut in utter ruin. Charles Maines, NPR News, Moscow. Officials in Alberta are urging people to put safety first this Canadian holiday weekend. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, the fire risk remains extreme there with more than 90 fires still burning. Nearly 20 evacuation orders remain in place with more than 10,000 people forced out of their homes because of the wildfires, one of the most intense fire seasons in years. To compare, officials say last year at this time just over 1,100 acres had burned. So far this year, that number has risen to more than 2 million acres. Air quality in much of Alberta is considered a high to very high risk, especially for children and the elderly. At least a dozen parks and recreation areas have been closed. There are more than 2,500 firefighters tackling the blazes, including Canadian military personnel and firefighters from the U.S. and from across Canada. For NPR News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk in Toronto. This is NPR News in Washington. WMNF Tampa. At least 12 people were killed last night and many more injured in a crushing crowd scene at a soccer game in El Salvador. Stampeding soccer fans pushed through one of the access gates at a quarterfinal match between clubs Alianza and FAS. The incident occurred at Monumental Stadium in Cuscatlan, a town about 25 miles northeast of the capital, San Salvador. A crew of four is making final preparations ahead of their private mission to the International Space Station, launching from Florida later this afternoon. From member station WMFE in Orlando, Brendan Byrne reports. The crew will launch on SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket from Kennedy Space Center, making the trip in a Dragon capsule. It's the second private mission to the ISS led by Houston-based company Axiom Space. The crew will spend eight days on the station conducting science experiments, says mission commander and former NASA astronaut Peggy Whitson. 
We're going to be doing over 20 different investigations. I'm really personally excited about some of the life sciences and the bioengineering ones in particular, but we have a lot of outreach where we're talking to students. The mission is piloted by investor and paying customer John Schaffner and will also carry two Saudi Arabian astronauts as mission specialists. For NPR News, I'm Brendan Byrne in Orlando. Minnesota is poised to become the 23rd state to legalize recreational marijuana use for people over age 21. The legislature has approved the move, and Democratic Governor Tim Waltz says that he does plan to sign that bill. I'm Luis Chiavone, NPR News, Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Nature Conservancy, partnering with communities across the globe to find solutions to the climate and biodiversity crises. Committed to building a future where people and nature can thrive. Nature.org slash solutions. You are tuned to the Sunday Forum here on WMNF Tampa. WMNF since I moved here uh, from Austin, Texas, so about a year and a half, and I'm really enjoying the programming from WMNF. Uh, in my opinion, that the news should be unbiased, informative, and truthful, and uh, that's exactly what I'm getting from WMNF, especially with the shows of Democracy Now!, uh, the Economic Update, and True Talk. So I think that the Tampa Bay community relies on all the informative programming and the culture programming that WMNF offers. And as I want to say, uh, just keep up the great work. You can support WMNF too. Give online at WMNF.org or through the smartphone app. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! 9 a.m. weekday mornings right here at 88.5 FM. You'll hear the same fearless investigative reporting on topics too hot for the mainstream media. Tune in to Democracy Now! 9 a.m. weekdays right after the morning show. That's right here on WMNF, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Lakeland, Clearwater, Winter Haven, and Venice. Join me late Sunday, early Monday for Body Rock with Mike B on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. The heavy metal disco train leaves the station at midnight for a three-hour dark journey into the sonic underworld of alternative music. Body Rock with Mike B. Sunday, midnight, WMNF 88.5. You want to play What If? Sure. How do you play? Easy. Just imagine something that you'd like to see happen. Like having it rain tacos on Tuesday? Or how about a four-hour block of folk and acoustic music on WMNF? You don't have to imagine that. It's happening every Sunday morning, starting at 10 a.m. with Postmodern Nanny, hosted by me, Ed Lehman, featuring new and exciting Americana music along with classic folk favorites. And that's followed at noon for two hours with the Acoustic Peace Club with me, Jeannie Holton, and Nathaniel Cox, featuring the best of folk and singer-songwriters with great topical songs and music that matters. Get your four-hour fix of folk music every Sunday starting at 10 a.m. right here on WMNF Tampa. What about my Taco Tuesday? This ain't the Food Network, Ed. Live right here on 88.5 WMNF AFM. Uh, it's Steely Dan and Hey 19. Way back when in 67. This is the Sunday Forum.
All right, all right, all right. We're back here on Sunday Forum, WMNF 88.5. Tampa, those are the sounds of Steely Dan. I know a lot of y'all try to act like y'all didn't listen to it. You know you did. You know you did. You're shaking your butt me on the way to church while you was listening to it. Hey, listen, uh, we have in studio with us our dear friend, Brother Life Malcolm, as we're talking about liberation and where we are right now under this administration, this gubernatorial administration, and our local administrations that are that are in, that are affected in many instances, uh, decisions are being made that are not good decisions, um, and we have some concerns. Then there are just those things that we need to concern we need to concern ourselves with, regardless of anything. Uh, and see things through. Uh, one of the things that that, that we, we're going to talk about and we spoke about during the break is, um, you know, our our communities in terms of our structures, right? We have our CRAs, uh, community redevelopment agencies, and the, the uh, community redevelopment areas and agencies. Um, the board itself happens to be the city council for those people who don't know. Uh, but they are advised by these CACs, which are Community Advisory uh, Councils. These councils are located in various communities that have been designated as CRA areas, as community redevelopment areas, uh, like West Tampa has its own CAC, which I sit on that board. Uh, then you have the East Tampa Partnership, which is a CAC, um, and it is in East Tampa, and it is. Well, we have, we have some issues. We have some issues, yeah, to say the least. When we talk development in these communities, we're talking about being behind. We've seen a push out, if you will, a mass exodus push out of black people from traditionally black communities that were. And keep them, keep this in mind. And this is what gets me about that is the fact that these communities were originally redlined to begin with. Yeah. Well, damn. Can we have anything? Man, you know, the the history again, uh, like you know, talked about Malcolm's birthday a couple of days ago, being a couple of days ago. And, um, you know, I'd love to talk about Malcolm. He's such a brilliant brother, not, not, not oh, yeah, special, absolutely. but just a, a, a man who studied, who, who saw problems and realized that he, that we could do stuff in the real world to overturn those problems. And, and he studied and dedicated his life to that. So, and I say that because a lot of times the colonizer will take, uh, people who, when they do acknowledge our history, uh, they'll, they'll take, people who are significant to our historical development and our, our struggle for liberation and deify them and make them seem as if they were some kind of special people like we like, like they weren't just ordinary people who uh, did some very extraordinary remarkable things and, and, and it almost takes it away from uh, our minds that we can do it too you know what I mean right. and so I say that you know Malcolm was just a, a young man a brilliant man who studied and, and learned and one of the things Malcolm said you know of all our studies history is best qualified to reward our research right and so, like, just historically speaking, when you when you talk about um, the things that we can do, there's a there's a blueprint for for um, our abilities to to take care of ourselves. And you know, before uh, you know, before the redlining, before the the um, you know, before the colonizers imposed themselves, we had areas you talked about like the bottom. You know, we had uh, communities like uh, uh, Central Park. We had uh, you know Central. Avenue, you know, of course, which uh, you know, then branched out, you know, this progeny being Central Park and then North Boulevard Homes and, you know, historic you know, places you, you knew where the African community was, you know what I mean? Right. Robles Park, you know, not too far from where I live. And you, you see just, just looking at the history, they, the, the, the government, the city government allowed these communities to, uh, um, to, to degrade. I mean, the money was always there in the budget to make sure that these communities that were underserved Served uh, or unserved had what it needed, right? Uh, but there's there's this um, thing that you uh, you can see as an article, Reverend Willie Dixon. You know, uh, uh, he yes. he put together an, uh, a magnificent yes. record of uh, this plan called "Taking Back the Heights." Are you familiar with that plan? 
there's this plan called Taking Back the Heights. It came, it was like uh, in, in the 70s with, uh, maybe late 60s, early 70s with uh, Nick, I think Nick Nuccio was the, the, the was mayor the at the time. And th- there's this whole plan where they, the, the idea was to uh, allow people, you know, uh, to charge people a lot of money to make repairs, to get up the code, and, you know, uh, when they couldn't make it, you know, let the houses, you know, uh, get so run down, the community get so run down, then these um, uh, uh, non-profit organizations, usually run by other Africans, would swoop in, buy the houses for cheap, and give it to the city for, you know, for, for pennies on the dollar. And then the city would turn around and turn it into that thing uh, that's now the Pearl. You know, the Pearl, uh, Reverend Willie Dixon would tell you, sits on something like... Uh, 20 of his lots, 12, 20, something like that, of his lots, right, right. you know, that they just swooped in and took from African people. That was in the 70s. That was a plan that was developed in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And, but we see that same thing. I mean, I remember when uh, Central Park was, uh, even Tampa Park, uh, you know, the, the, the plaza right there, they just, I say Tampa Park now because they just shut that down. Yeah. The little plaza right there, they used to have a little uh, a beeper shop, a little store, and uh, closed down. You can't even, you know, nobody's there anymore. No commerce is happening anymore because the city allowed the, the, the Tampa Park community to get so run down until they, they use it as an excuse to say, uh, we, we got to tear it down now. Like, they did with North Boulevard homes like they did with Central Park and like they're trying to do with Robles Park. They, they, they allow it. They, they call it uh, this is some some uh, uh, congressman or senator came up with this term called benign neglect, right? It's, it's benign neglect to them. They just let it get so run down until they the, the value is uh, next to none and then they swoop in, scoop it up, tear everything down and build it up like some, you know, Tampa got a midtown now, right? You know, right, it, right, it turns right. into that kind of thing instead of making sure that the underserved and unserved communities benefit from the, the budget, the tax money that we put into the, the pot for all these years. They allow all these, you know, this benign blight to happen. Use it as an excuse to push us out, then swoop in and give it to these people who, uh, you know, who continue the exploitation that we experience. So, right. yeah. And these same people are folks quite often who aren't even from here. Yeah, no, yeah, they're, right from, they're from up north where, right where the cost of, of living is much higher than what we, we were accustomed to. Um, housing and things like that, which is what we're seeing in the housing market as well, is people are ma- building these houses of 1,500 square feet, 1,300 yeah. square feet garbage uh, houses that, um, you know, they have no problem buying for themselves. Right. Uh, for the, the yuppies that come here from there that have no problems buying because that's what they see up there. Right. But we, that's not conducive to here. And the job market does not is not leveling out to that. And it's something wrong. Yeah, something yeah. Seriously yeah. wrong. It's, 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 it's been wrong. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, it's called colonialism. We got to overturn the colonial mode of production. Mm-hmm. I mean, even this, this discussion we uh, just had about the, the benign blight, uh, or benign, is it benign? I think it's benign neglect, right? That allows this blight to continue until you just run the, the, the Africans, uh, you know, out of the communities, right? Um, I, I, was, I was thinking the other day about the whole medical marijuana, it, it just uh, the legalization of marijuana, uh, as a whole and how um, I, I used to hear people say and I know we, we didn't plan to talk about medical marijuana or marijuana at all and it's just that we don't have to go down the road but it's, it's just the, how the colonizer always um, uh, uh, has a plan you know and, and they're well organized right so I, I thought about it man they used to say you can't the reason why they won't make weed legal is because they can't tax it you remember hearing that kind of right. uh, narrative like you can't tax it so uh, that's why they won't legalize it well, nonsense I mean they, they, they tax you you know what I mean they tax your ass they if tax they want, right? you know so, so that, that was nonsense it never made sense but the reality was there was a um, uh, Horace Campbell does this uh, has this book called Rasta and Resistance and he talks about the significance of marijuana to the African culture certainly in the islands right and the reality is Africans controlled that market for a very long time we, we controlled the growth we controlled the distribution and the rest of it and so you know uh, we can get the ganja and, but uh, you know Africans could get the ganja but you know the, the white man couldn't just go get the ganja you know matter of fact you'd probably get chopped by a machete if you went over the you know uh, Step yeah. it, right? right, and so since they couldn't control um, that side of the market, what the colonizers did here was shut down the they, they locked up all the people.
people who had connections with the growers, uh, you know, across the water. They 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 locked up all the uh, the distributors, all the people Criminalized who knew how to. Everything. Yeah, yeah, locked them up, killed them, set them down, right? And then when they set down the pipeline, all of a sudden now it's legal since they now they control because the, the the growers still got to get the product off, and now they have no choice but to go through the government. Uh, you know, all these people who now say it's okay, right? After they've destroyed lives for you know decades behind the same question, and so it's it's always a plan and a plot for the colonizer to to maintain political you know political power, military power, and economic power. Yeah, right, right. it's always the same. It uh, you know. Whether I'm saying whether housing, whether you know the the the, the, the black market of marijuana, whether you're talking you know um, whatever it is, uh, you know the uh, even the mainstream media, you know they control what you can can't say. And now we see it, we talked about it earlier in the program. You know even with education, you know they they want to have uh, you know control over what it is we think and what it is we do. And if we see it getting out of their control, it's a problem. They call it a crime. Yeah, I mean, that's what Chairman O'Malley used to tell the teachers. Crime, law is nothing but the opinion of the ruling class, and crime is anything that opposes political power, military power, economic power in the hands of the ruling class. That's what crime is. <laughs> yeah, society makes the crime. Yeah, it yeah. sure do, man. It sure do. And let's, go to the, let's go to the phone lines. 813-239-9663. This is the Sunday Forum with our guest, Malcolm. Life Malcolm. Go ahead, call her. You're on the Sunday Forum. Sunday Forum. Walter Smith and Dr. S. Wow, I like it. <laughs> Joe Robinson. Joe, Joe Robinson. Robinson, man. Legendary. What's going on, man? Let me roll it in one minute because I'm over here cooking. First of all, we cook spaghetti over here. Oh. You ain't doing nothing for a fundraiser. Can't see the clay with stool. 100. Spaghetti, the mafia sauce, the real mafia sauce over here. Only <laughs> mafia sauce in Tampa. And we're doing that from 11 to 3 p.m. I'm over here now warming back up the sauce. And we'll be rolling at 11 to 3 Now. This thing about CRA and the fact that they've decided to eliminate subcommittees, which is the total 70% of the outreach in any CRA, CAC uh, group, is the subcommittees. They do the work. So when you say we're going to be efficient by getting rid of subcommittees, that's telling me you don't know what you're talking about. You right. don't stay here. You don't know where it's working. And furthermore... We have millions of dollars. That we got 19 million uh, funded, unfunded, or whatever you want to call it. And so we pursue that if they want to play that game, hey, I'm making most say we meet two times a month, that or one. And by the way, let me put $200,000 away every year to hire somebody to do nothing but schedule subcommittee meetings. Motion, second, all in favor. That's all I got to say, man. I got to get back in here and get on this box <laughs> and forget it. Uh, 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 Joe, how, how, Joe, how much? How much do they have over in East Tampa? Uh, is, is it eleven million? Yeah, we got nineteen. We, we, have, we have nineteen, but they but uh, but so East Tampa is about eleven, right? Some of it is committed, but since they've been so inefficient and in getting the money spent and inefficient and making the money get spent, so the community can benefit, it's sitting there stacking. It's just stacking, but it's been committed. And then we got another fund called infrastructure that I know about that none of that money is really allocated to a specific project. So they need to leave me alone because if they don't back down, I'm going to try to do a peace meeting this week with Ms. Nicole. But if she don't want to play peace, hey, man, I just bring the boys in here and shut oh. everybody down. Okay. So yeah, I got to get this spaghetti done a while. But it ain't about the money. It's about power and control and getting rid of people's right to be community outreach, and they have a voice. And if you get rid of subcommittees on a CAC, you have gotten rid of our voice. And let me tell you something. I don't play that. Hey, Joe, y'all going to be at St. Peter Claver today? Is that what you said? Huh? You said y'all going to be yeah, at St. Peter Claver? right now. right now, man. You there right now. Get a dinner from 11 to every $10 donation. You know, right. get spaghetti, salad, so much right. water, such a drink, and some Cuban bread, bro. I might slide on by. Right yeah. All right. See you guys later. Thank you. All right, brother. Thanks, Joe. The legendary Joe Roberts. Yeah. Can I, can I say something about St. Peter Claver, man? Yeah, it's, it's a personal man. kind of yeah. thing since yeah. I, yeah, Joe absolutely. brought it up. Man, I'm I'm proud to say that my daughter, my youngest child, uh, Jaye Rain, was uh, the valedictorian for her graduating class. Uh, yes. She gave the, grad, the, the the message to her classmates, and it, right. I mean, she nailed it. And uh, really, really proud of her. Every uh, there's several awards each class gave. Uh, each teacher gave an, an award uh, to like the most important. 
improved. And then, like, the, the person with the, the top score. And she got all the awards except for um, uh, the, the PE award. I think, no, no, it was dance. She didn't, she didn't win the dance award. You know, but, you know, uh, see, everything else, math, science, social studies, religion. Um, she even won MVP for the basketball. She scored over 100 points in the girls' basketball league uh, uh, this season. And just, just, just an incredible individual. And I, I, I'm going to say this, man. The top of the, the – the, the, put the cherry on top. Um, Miss uh, uh, Miss Doherty uh, from Academy of the Holy Names came to the graduation to present. I call it Yaya to present uh, Yaya with a four year scholarship to the Academy of the Holy Names. And wow. um, yeah, yeah. So and that 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 came from St. Peter Claver's um, investment in her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Yaya is the first uh, person in about. 13 years to um, go to the Academy of Holy Names from St. Peter Claver. Wow. And, um, but, you know, St. Peter Claver is an incredible school. The, the speaker was, um, the, the, like, so the, the person who gave the address, like, Yaya did the, the message to the classmates, but the, there was a speaker for the, the graduation ceremony. You know how they do that? And that was uh, Mr., uh, I think, Colonel, or Lieutenant Colonel, retired now, uh, Cedric Carrington. And I mean, so, you know, St. Peter Claver has has a, an esteemed list of alumni, and it's, it's a great school, and, and we should continue to uh, invest in, um, in in that school that invests in our children and sets them up for tremendous opportunities. I mean, judges, you know, uh, I think uh, for sure uh, Judge Barbara Twine Thomas comes from St. Peter Claver. I mean, like, it has is a legacy of, um, of of richness and, um, um, well, and preparation. From, yeah, from from St. Peter Claver, and so yeah. Go get that spaghetti then. I'm, I'm uh, Joe. I'm, I'm I'm endorsing that 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 sauce. It better be right. Let me tell you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you allowing me to share, man. I'm just really, yeah, man, no, really let, proud let of, of her, man. man. You know, and um, proud of all my children. But you know, she's a she's the last one to leave middle school, and um, yeah, you know, just really proud of of her accomplishments in that regard. Of course, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, man. Yeah, we're gonna hear from Yaya a lot in the future. Huh? Oh my goodness, <laughs> man! Basketball, so we'll track, we are going to hear from her. And, and and a beast on the, in academics. And she wanted to go to the academy the whole night. She's been in private school. She's been at St. Peter Clay all her life, right? So, uh, I, uh, her sister had been in. Uh, her, this, she has a sibling who's just a year, a few months, like a year and a few months older, and they've been at St. Peter Clay all their lives. And so now, my uh, the oldest of the two goes to Middleton. Um, and you know, which is you know, uh, all my family graduated. My grandmother's children rather graduated from Middleton, so you know that's a rich legacy there. Um, and we, we she went to Middleton because they have a good ASL program, uh, as, uh, American Sign Language, and so that's uh, Journey's uh, world language of choice. And so she's you know over there doing that. And um, she she was ready to get out of private school, you know what I mean? Um, but but Yaya wants to not only continue a private school education, but she wants to go to this all girls school. And so we, you know, we're gonna make that happen. And was uh, certainly delighted to find out that she earned a scholarship that's going to, uh, you know, uh, make that Killed journey for her. Years. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's you know, awesome, even man. that more incredible. Yeah. Shout out to Yaja. Shout out to Yaja. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's get these phone lines. All right. And you can write us, DJ at WNF.org. Somebody wrote us and said they missed the voice of Daryl, who used to call in a lot. So, Daryl, they're yeah, missing Darryl, you. Hey, man. Yeah, Daryl, man. What's <laughs> Me going too. On, I was hoping he called <laughs> in today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, Daryl. <laughs> Back to the phone lines. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. This is Simon from Lakeland. Simon. Simon. How are you doing, man? Good. Good. What I want to talk about is uh, the power structure that's primarily uh, one of the tenets of uh, the Sunday Forum and the view that the uh, institution is a systematic racism. With that being said, there's always the view of what's authentic when describing history and who's telling the story. Um, if you look at the distinction between what is the African Studies Program, AP program, and there's numerous times made the, the comparison of what's taught during the Holocaust, I beg to differ, and the reason I do is because if you look at the Holocaust, you will look at the analysis of what the Rishtak government did during that time from 33 to 45. That being said, with 6 million Jews being killed 
German people presently are not viewed as benefactors of the assets taken away from the Jewish people. In other words, when you when you kill six million people, they have a home, they have furnishings, they have assets in the bank, they have cars, they have land. All that was taken away. But the Holocaust is not taught in Germany that the present people living today look them in the eye and say, you benefited from taking away the land. You benefited from taking away all these assets. You're bad people. You should pay back. Reparations were paid for because of the Reichstag government. The analysis here in this country is the attempt to study the institution of slavery. However, what is being taught and what is being contentious is that people view that six, seven generations past, the present people living today, the power, if you will, the white people is normally said on the radio station, that they're benefactors of what happened seven generations ago. Vastly different distinction between those types of histories and how they're taught. And that is why the contention is when the view of African studies is viewed, when you bring in critical race theory, the 619 project, um, DEI, I think you mean the 1619. Well, let me finish, and then you'll comment, and I'll be more than happy to say. So that's the distinction between the two. Now, um, that, that being said, what I wanted to say is if there was truly systematic racism in this country, you would have never had the Niagara Movement back in the early 20th century with W. Du Bois starting the NAACP. There's a vast distinction between the word ostracized and marginalized. Jews were ostracized. The authors that are written that the books you say are equivalent to burning of books is a fallacious argument because the authors are not being ostracized or banned. It's the content. If these authors would write a different story, it would not be banned. The Jews were entirely ostracized, no matter what content they wrote. So what I, there's a vast difference between ostracized and mar- marginalized. But what I wanted to ask Attorney Light, one question is a cultural question, is that do you have any qualms about miscegenation? And the other question is a legal question. When you're looking at merit versus DEI, are you in favor of quotas? I don't understand the last D-E-I question. I means I guess he's talking about diversity, diversity equity, and equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Okay. Are you are you in favor of quotas as a legal content? Being an attorney. So um, the first question is, uh, how do I feel about miscegenation? A cultural question. I mean, you know, for me, uh, I, I'm I'm a nationalist, and in my view, uh, everybody, you know, should. Uh, to do the best we can to build the nation. And I don't know that we can do that by, uh, you know, uh, procreating with somebody who ain't a part of the nation. So, I I mean, you know, people do what they want to do. Just, you know, they, you know, men sleep with men and stuff, you know. So I do whatever they want to do. I mean, people want to marry, you know, white African want to marry a white man, uh, 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 a white woman. That's, you know, that's their thing. I don't I care one way or the other. However, I would say that for me, it makes sense that we're going to build a nation. The only way we can build that nation is by making sure that we have uh, more African children uh, with African parents, uh, you know, doing African things like building our culture, our communities, and the rest of it uh, in, in an African way. So I'm an African nationalist, African internationalist. So that's why I stand on that. As far as do I believe in quotas? Um, yeah, I believe that we should control the African people should control the quota. Like we we get to say who does what, when, and where. Um, and so if, if there's a quota, we ought to be in control of it. So I believe that um, to so this. The whole idea of diversity, what's it, what it called? Diversity, what you said? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. So diversity is just, uh, in my view, a, a colonizer's trick word to uh, like uh, to replace integration. You know, because you ain't never talking about diversity. When, when I go to the Chinese restaurant, I want Chinese food. I don't want diversity, you know, diverse Chinese. I want Chinese food. And when I come to, when I go to the 
African community. I, I want African stuff. I, I don't want, uh, you know, some diverse equity. Include. I don't want a quota of African. I want African stuff. I want my own land, my own resources, and the rest of it. And to just, um, and I hope I answered that question. I don't know how to answer that question, really, because this, 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 it's just some, you know, uh, 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 I don't want integration. I don't, I don't that, that's, I, I'm a nationalist. I want Africa for Africans at home and abroad, and, and you know, colonizers can have what they have. You know, if you, you know, whatever you get from Europe, you know, that, that's, that cold rock, you know, have that. But the fact that, you know, you can have mango uh, juice in, in, in England and, you know, don't have no mango trees, it, you know, is a problem because, you know, you get the juice from, from the people who uh, grow the mangoes. You, you t- we can't, you know, we can't have the mango juice, but, you know, over in, in London, you can have the mango juice. And, and I'm saying that's a problem. You know, you, let us keep our mangoes and, and you get whatever you can from wherever you are. Um, but this whole idea of, you know, this thing about the Holocaust and the six million Jews and, you know, these generations of, you know, a post-slavery as if slavery ever ceased to exist is, uh, you know, it, that's a, that's a, what you call it? Like a red herring. It's, it's a, it's yeah. a non sequitur of, of sorts because the reality is, um, even a, a white man named Karl Marx that most people, uh, you know, that a lot of people hold up at least for his philosophies on, um, the, the stages of, uh, of, of, of economic development, how, uh, how, uh, you know, from feudalism, uh, to, you know, what slavery, feudalism, uh, capitalism, and, you know, so, right. He, even Karl Marx said that capitalism uh, rests on, you know, has as its uh, pedestal the, the the selling of black people, turning Africa into the war for black skins and, and the opium wars in, in China and, and stealing the indigenous people's land. So the reality is the colonial capitalist system to this day, generations post-slavery, still rests on this economic pedestal of, uh, of slavery. And slavery, as you know, Michelle Alexander uh, helped us understand in her in her book and her work. Um, what was it called? The, um, the, the new Jim, what, what, no, no, no. Her, the first book uh, Michelle Alexander did was it the New Jim Crow or something like that? Uh, the New Jim Crow was that it? You know, was what, she, it? what she talked about how you know the Thirteenth Amendment never ended slavery, just took slavery uh, the ability for individual white it ended the uh, uh, the ability for individual white people to own Africans and put that power in the hands of the state. You know, um, uh, by saying that if you duly if, if you're duly convicted, if a person's duly convicted, then you know, they can be subjected to this um, involuntary servitude. And and that's why you see so many Africans in, throughout this country. I think it's like one out of every eight people in prison is in, Afri- in the world is an African in, in a U.S. prison. You know, uh, and, and there's no it's no mystery uh, as to why it is. The, you know, the colonizers always been intent upon making African people uh, slaves for them, uh, making sure that they can expropriate our labor, our land, and our resources, both human and material. And they do that to this day. So, it, you know, it never ended for us. Uh, the pedestal still exists, and as long as colonial capitalism is here, um, the, the there's no such thing like uh, they kill six million Jews and it and it stopped. The, the thing still continues. They're still killing Africans to this day. You can't even talk about a Jew without uh, facing some serious consequences. But you can kill an African in this country with impunity, just like you could in 18 uh, uh, six, what, when, uh, 1864, 1862, uh, before they so called ended slavery uh, uh, in this country with the Thirteenth Amendment. So it, right. you're right. Uh, uh, Simon, it's, it's vastly different. What happened to Jews? Don't nobody want to see anybody murdered and killed that don't deserve it. But uh, you know, that's one thing. We're not talking about uh, this this period of history where something happened and then uh, you know uh, it, it ain't happening anymore. We're talking about right now the the same institution that undergirded the the, the U.S. economy in eighteen in the eighteen hundreds uh, undergirds the economy today, and that's colonial capitalism built on the um, uh, on the pedestal of slavery of African people around and the theft of resources from the African continent to this day. Which is why they continue all of the conservatives policies are all about banning and criminalizing. So that's the that's the one thing that came out of slavery that they continue to engage in, and they use the language of the white supremacists use the language of the Nazis, but get mad when you call it out. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder if uh, if uh, what was Simon's purpose was for bringing that up. In, in that context, distraction. I guess. Uh, distraction, yeah. But the other part of that is uh, we're seeing a lot of people like like our friend P.L.O. Lumumba, uh, Dr. Eric Conoco, and people like that who are demanding that Africans around the world, that, that the members of the diaspora, uh, come together and begin to um, produce on the continent, produce at home. As opposed to as opposed to allowing colonial powers to come in and take 
the natural resource yeah. and produce there. Yeah. Because if they if we produce in our own and on our own, then we control what goes out. But more than that, I mean, no, but we we do produce. The, the reality is though, they have guns and they control. They they right. set the, the, the colonizer right. sets the price on. They they tell you how much uh, we can. Uh, there's a, uh, I, I can't remember. It might be the place they call Nigeria. That might be that that area of the continent where they 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 have to sell. Uh, they can grow flowers. They can't grow food. They have to grow flowers instead of food for the. Uh, I think it's Kenya for for the uh, the American economy. They can't places where they could grow food. They have to grow flowers instead because they ain't gonna buy the food. They buy the flowers. They right. tell you how much you can buy, the, how much you can sell them the flowers for, and how much they gonna buy it for, right? And then they get them over here, and they sell them, and then charge you twice that, you know, for you, for you to take your African wife some African flowers. You see what right. I mean? Right. And so, and and that's the 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 relationship that African people have to the the colonizer at this at this present time, and it's it's been the same. It's been on the same uh, trajectory since African people were snatched up from Africa in 1619 and brought over here against our will. Absolutely. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It ain't changed. Same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to have to also talk about the, the effect of loans that these these uh, the rich countries give to African countries and then, you know, use that as leverage to yeah. keep right, them right. enslaved. But yeah. so that, what, hold on, hold on. Before we go to the next to the next cause, please cause, hang tight just for a moment, please. Because um, I'm not going to allow this to, to, to go without us addressing it. This issue of what we're seeing with the loss of just elementary school. Okay? The yeah. issue that we're seeing, I'm, I'm not letting any distraction get... No, 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 no. We're going to talk about this today. Um, just elementary school, folks, is in danger. The loss of just elementary school means that the, the process, the feeder process of education that could exist and that that should that does exist in West Tampa as a community would be stymied the it it it, it adds to the elimination of of that school adds to the uh uh the the uh the busing issues that that are bound to happen that are going to happen regardless and then you look at what's, hap what's happening in terms of the destruction then of Blake High School, which we went through how how long of trying to get Blake to where it is now. Yeah. And it's a prime piece of real estate sitting in a prime area yeah. on that river. It just, it's just too bad that some black folks, that, you know, black kids are the ones who are primarily the ones who get their public, edu little public education. Once upon a time. And that's changing from what I understand. It's changing. Yeah. It's changing. Yeah, it but what I, think, I think what's changing it, and the problem that I'm having with this whole thing, the problem everybody's having with this whole thing, is that is that when you eliminate uh, GV Stewart, if you eliminate Just, if you eliminate, you have no feeder to that particular, nothing to groom those kids to right go on. into into that particular to, uh, uh, part of advanced education. So then what happens, our kids now are pushed out entirely now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you've achieved what you want to achieve in terms of the, the colonization, as we're calling it, of our community there in West Tampa. It's a, it, we have got to pay attention to this. We've got to stop this. It's the first step of criminalization, too. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, exactly. Let me tell you, you dag them right. And let me tell you, um, gosh, there were two members of, 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 uh, of the school board that I'm very angry with. Very, very angry with. Um, uh, uh, Ms. Gray? Who was it? Uh, not Ms. Gray. Uh, Forgive, forgive, my, forgive me for not for not uh, for saying the wrong name. I'm, I apologize, the wrong name. Um, what, what, who was it? Who was it? Who was it? We're, we're gonna find it. We're gonna find it. We're gonna, we're gonna find it. But let me tell you, we're gonna know who you are. And when we find out who you, when, when we make certain of the vote, because I, I, I want, I know who the vote, where the vote went. It was three to four. There's seven members. It was three to four. Uh, all the usual the usual people voted, uh, who we expected to, who was uh, Karen Perez, voted our way. Um, um, Vaughn, Jessica Vaughn voted our way. Shake Washington voted our way. The rest of them did not. So that means, yeah, Gray, yeah, you're in trouble. 
Uh, who else do we have? Um, we have, uh, yeah, like you said, it was a 4-3 vote. The first vote, uh, Henry Shake Washington, Jessica Vaughn, and Karen Perez voted no on mm. the closing of Just Elementary. Right, right. And um, so that leaves uh, the four, the other four. Who are the other four? We'll, we'll get it. We're going to get it right. When we get the other four up, we're gonna name. We're gonna, we're gonna put your name out there. Yeah, call in. <laughs> we, we call, as a matter of fact, we 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 are asking you to call in. We want yeah. you to call in this show and give us yourself. explain explain yourself <laughs> yeah. to the forum. Yeah, explain yourself to the forum as to why you thought that it was okay to do that. I can tell yeah. you for a fact that one of them actually was a, there was a, a conversation that I was a, I'm privy to um, that that uh, she. Who, who, who I will make sure I get the name correct, um, did not vote and said that she spent X number of years working in the school system. And No, you didn't spend X number of years working in West Tampa. Yeah. How do you know? How, how, how the hell do you know? Yeah. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. You ain't, you ain't getting away with that one. And we're going to let you know. Well, I'm going to let people know who you are. And the next time that the, the, uh, that the voting comes around, we're gonna see to it that you don't make it back. Uh so now, let, let's let's uh so I'm and I'm just putting that out there. You my special projects, all four of y'all. Mm. <laughs> all y'all my special projects here on, on the Sunday forum. Uh now, uh we have some phone calls we need to get to. Let's get to these calls, yeah. man. Somebody's been waiting for half an hour. Thank you yes, for your patience. Yes, yes, please go directly to your question, go ahead, please. Caller. You're on the center How you doing, man? All right, all right, brother. Boy, you, you remind me so much of things when you talk about business, businesses and stuff. That uh, um, I'll just say that you could, you go down our neighborhood and, you, and I told you last week, you go down and drive down our neighborhood and you see no pharmacies. You see what you call a pharmacy desert, uh, um, a food desert, but you will never find in a black neighborhood a church desert. We will hmm. never fight. Hmm. Nowhere in there. And uh, in terms of uh, the 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 some of the things you talked about, uh, you know, why certain things don't exist in our neighborhood. But I just look at our doctors. This war on drugs. Fifty years. This is the result of a fifty-year war on drugs, which is essentially a war on us. The war to decimate our community has done that. Destroy the economic. Education and the electric degrees, and uh, but we're not defeated yet. But the, 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 so we need to recognize that that uh, that, uh, that enemy, that enemy is still here today. We have to work everything to do this to to, to break its back and to uh, and and to defeat it and stuff and uh, reach out to the. Uh, and well, again, we've been writing a lot in our our, our blog, Eurowithinthenorms dot com. Our last article addresses this issue, and uh, we'll also be conscious of uh, DeSantis and, and DeSantisburg because we're living in DeSantisburg. When you look at Mister Mister uh, DeSantis's uh, thinking, it comes straight. And you and I've been to, I read and I read a book, The, the Rise of the Africanum. Uh, and Afrikander, Canderdom, and brother, it comes, it's the mindset, his mindset is, is, is of the same as the policies that we've got put in place of uh, eliminating of the Bantu education, activities put in place, uh, and uh, the other things that he, he's, I can't think of right now, but that, that he is, uh, that he is, uh, and more recently, eliminating the diversity, educate equity, and inclusion, uh, and it was precisely the opposite of what Mandela has, uh, has, uh, talks about. You when you you've been through South Africa, you see all these murals all over. The place. He said this, and one of them says, "When we unite and respect each other's diversity, we will become one nation." Well, we're not going to become one nation. And using these policies that uh, uh, our our dear governor has developed here in the Santa Spur. That's what I call it. So that's about all I have to 
All right. Hey, thanks, Doc. We appreciate you. And everybody, y'all check out you are within the norms.com. All right. Next caller. Please go right directly to your question. Caller, caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Good morning to you. Ron, what's up, man? Hey, it's the regular usual. I hear it and I see it, and then I have to see what I can do about it. All right. Yeah, I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm with you all the way on that school closure. And I made a mistake about saying we should pray for it because what we should do is make the churches open up and, and start uh, uh, schools and, and then they don't need the bus and then they get some of that funding from the state there we go. and start sliding that old way and come and bring it right back to the community. How about that? There we go. Fight that bureaucracy. See what I'm saying? Yep, yep. That bureaucracy don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it and they don't want to do nothing. And then you got some idiot that'll call in two of them really because they don't uh, support black people from what I'm understanding just by you giving us some information which always came they gave the Indians information but they didn't tell them they put this uh, uh, the disease in them uh, blankets right so they don't give us all the information we need to succeed to survive or be self-sufficient so when you call in it's uh, really insincere in when you call in and pin us against other groups pin us against uh, the sciences and then act like we have any power to do it. That's why it's systematic racism. We don't have the power to do anything. That in itself is the definition. So for you smart people that got these titles and they gave you some money because you fit in this culture or you of a certain view, you got your eyes still got to wake up and open up to see the truth. I mean, uh, when I hear somebody say Egypt, which wasn't even a place, Egypt is some name given to it by the Europeans. Africa, it was called Kemet. And Cleopatra lived there. And all them people was African people. So you didn't know your history before you start talking to people, putting them down. And it doesn't depend on who's in the narrative or who's telling the story. It's where the, the historic facts are and who can show where they are and show that they exist and prove the facts and the point. And that's what we have. But we have a lot of disillusioned people who want to keep bending us over the head, step up, instead of helping us. And uh, like the word, you need to use what they exploit. That's all they do with African people is exploitation. They set up every kind of system, like uh, for anything that happens. Okay, you know, a disaster, they have people to help you. Well, why we can't help ourselves in the case of a disaster? Okay, uh, you lose your family. Why you got to set up a welfare system that takes the man and says, well, you don't need him, we're going to help you. See, why is all of that? That's all the division that's coming from your angle, your end, your culture. And we just need our ability to survive on our own as we can do and prove we can do all over the world without your influence, without your intervention, without your destroying us at all. And that's all I can see. You just try to destroy you, destroy your culture, and then you look around and supposed to hold them up like they Superman, Superwoman, and all the other super things they say and do. So I just wanted to put that on there because we have a hell of a fight on our hands when people want to destroy history. Yeah, man. That's real, man. Hey, Walt, I'll say this to me. It ain't the fact that you took the book out. You're taking all the knowledge out and then want us to know <laughs> what we did. Hey. We created the light bulb. We created the uh, intersection light. They're trying to change, they trying to change all that. You know, I... I, I, I I really want to appreciate that, Ron, and, and, and just jump in and say, you know, even when when I got uh, when Simon called in a bit ago talking about this thing, you know, uh, the the Nazis and uh, how slavery three generations or, or several generations later uh, is if it, somehow the 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 economic reality dissipated, the the colonial mode of uh, production ended with the so-called end of slavery. I mean, you, you, uh, when. The, uh, the what they call it, the Berlin Conference of 1884-1885, right, gave Leopold Congo, right? What, what what did Leopold do in Congo? He cut off African people's hands. He got them out in the hands if they ain't uh, uh, pull rubber from the rubber trees uh, in the mountains and, uh, in the frequency that he wanted it, right? And who who took advantage of the rubber? Firestone, Goodyear, yep. Dunlop, right? You still got it. You have those institutions right here today. And so that's just uh, you know, a real world example of, and it's, it's plenty. I mean, the Beers used to have a slogan that said, the Beers, the diamond people, right? Who still own diamond uh, mines in so Africa good. from, you know, from the, uh, from the, uh, you know, uh, several centuries ago, right? Um, the Beers had this slogan that said, uh, we go to Africa so you won't have to. That used to be a the Beers slogan, you know, when they sell their diamonds. I remember that, you know, man. We, we go to Africa so you don't have to. So this, this notion, you know, and I don't 
don't know if you can find a Nazi these days. Uh, you know, they, they, I mean, you can find them, but they won't say they're Nazis, right? But, uh, you know, you can see the existence of the, uh, the perpetual existence of the colonial mode. Don't call it systematic racism because racism is this idea of you know making somebody like you uh, you know uh, in order to make you know in order to get along you have to make the white people like you or something that they, you know or they don't like you because of some kind of race. I talk about uh, nationalism, uh, internationalism, and uh, the colonial mode of production as uh, as O'Malley used to tell it taught us. So. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me tell you, man. Don't get caught up in that racism thing. It's it's a colonial mode of production that exists that undergirds the society, and we have to overturn it. We have to organize ourselves, teach ourselves. You know, because this uh, the hill. I looked up the the Hillsborough County's uh, school board's mission. It says to provide an education and supports the uh, that enable each student to excel as a successful and responsible citizen. Each one of them, you know, those with special needs, regardless of those special needs of physical, uh, cultural, economic, whatever it is, they, they're supposed to do that for each student, and they fail every time they don't when they try to shut down schools like just elementary and, and the rest of it uh, that 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 serves uh, to to live up to the mission uh, you know uh, that, yeah so this it's the colonial mode of production that undergirds the whole thing absolutely. and we have to overturn it yeah, it's absolutely absolutely Thanks um, for that clarity, Mike, because I, I, I still feel like they're the biggest racist in the world. It could be. <laughs> but that don't matter. You know, like uh, Henry Kissinger once said, um, when you got power, power is an incredible aphrodisiac. When you got power, you can make them like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. All right. Hey, hey bless, big blessings to y'all, man. Y'all y'all the smartest people I know. I don't know. <laughs> man, you're smart, too. You're smart, guys, brother. Right on. All right, brother. Right. Thank you, Brian. Yes. Hey, man. We are coming up on the end. Hey, man, yeah. we got to wrap it up. Hey, man, we want to thank you, Life Malcolm. Man, appreciate the invitation, brother. Look, the game, look brother. forward to doing it again. All right, every time. Right baby, on, got, right got on. you, I got you. Hey, listen, thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. Coming up on the uh, post, post-Martin Hootenanny next. Uh, but as always, I want to thank everybody for joining us in this, this journey towards liberation right here on the Sunday Forum each and every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. On the, on, the, on the station known as 88.5 WMNF, 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. And as always, from my voice to the radio waves, to the hearts and the minds of the people, we love you. And there's not one single thing you can do about it. 